Hey, beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Saver Podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us at our studio today. Yes. Also known as the kitchen table. I know. Well, today, today is a different kitchen table. It's the dining room table. It's fancy. But it's still round. It is. It's a great table, actually. So it's still our office. We moved from kitchen table to dining room table. Yes. But we have some really fun, right? Fun? Would you call this fun? No, I would not call this fun. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why that word came to mind. It's because it's it's interesting. Yes, I would say it's interesting. Um, Topic for you guys today. So as you know, we just ended our series on Ephesians. And so Ephesians 6, we got into the very end of Ephesians 6, and it's talking about the armor of God. So jumping kind of off from that, we thought how interesting it would be to talk about spiritual warfare. Yes, which we had no idea that you guys had so many questions about it. I was shocked. So if you are not a part of our Facebook community, uh, we invite you to join that. There's a link in the show notes, or you can probably find the link on our Instagram or our Facebook page, somewhere there. Um, But we posted in that Facebook group, hey, do you have any questions about spiritual warfare? And I was blown away with all the questions, so many good questions. So many good questions. And we, so we thought instead of just talking about spiritual warfare, like, you know, that we would go through these questions um, together with you guys. Now, we won't be able to get to all of the questions because, you know, Stacey and I really love to talk. So we're probably going to get stuck on some of them. So the ones that we are not able to answer today on the podcast, we are going to discuss them over on the Facebook Um, community page, which is a private page. So just go, like she said, and join there if you want to hear the questions that we don't get to. Um, But disclaimer, before we get started, um, spiritual warfare is like an abyss. Don't you think? I mean, like we, we are not giving you answers to these questions. We're going to give you some scripture um, surrounding your questions, and maybe we will share some things that we believe, uh, but we are not the ultimate authority on anything, but definitely not spiritual warfare, because this is a very complex, a very deep topic. There has been lots of scholarly things written about it, um, which if you want a couple of resources, we can throw those in to the show notes. Um, But definitely, this is not an easy topic, and there's not necessarily straightforward answers on everything. Would you agree with that? Or Yes, I would say that. So this is more of a question and discussion instead of a question and answer. Yes, I like that. We're doing Q&D. Q&D instead of Q&A, because we don't have all the answers. And I found this great verse in Deuteronomy 29:29 that um, really comforted my heart as I was preparing for this podcast episode, because I'm just being real vulnerable with you guys. 
I am probably more nervous about this episode than any episode that we've ever recorded. And I was like, Suzanne, what's wrong? Why am I so nervous to record? I mean, we've been sitting here for probably two hours talking about after we had already individually done outlines and kind of some scripture study, and we still have sat here for two hours and just been talking about it, and I'm a little bit nervous. But um, this verse out of Deuteronomy 29.29 has been such an encouragement to my heart in preparation. And so hopefully it'll bring some encouragement to you as well. And it just says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. And so just a, a kind of caveat of a reminder, there are some secret things that belong on only to the Lord. And there are things that he's revealed to us. And I think that is really true for spiritual warfare. There are some clear things in scripture that God has revealed to us about spiritual warfare. There are some things that are not so clear that are maybe secret things for the Lord to know alone. And so what we're trying to do is go to what scripture says to us about some of the questions that you guys posed, and then we'll just kind of have a discussion about it. I love that. And and just remembering too that a, a large part of our faith, there is mystery because we have finite minds. Um, even though we have the mind of Christ, we do not have the infinite wisdom yes. and know all that he knows. So there is mystery to some of this for us. So I love that Deuteronomy verse that yeah. you shared. All right. So let's get into some of the questions that you guys asked us. Okay, here we go. All right. So the first question, it was there were, there were several questions that kind of lended to this, but like, what is spiritual warfare? Is this a real thing? Like what? Yeah. Like what in the world or not in this world is spiritual right. warfare? Um, yeah. And I think we both kind of come to the agreement based on scripture that spiritual warfare is very much a real thing. Yes. Yeah. And we see it as early as Genesis because we see this enemy, this Satan, this this being, and I'm not sure how it all works because it says it was in the form of the serpent. And so I don't know. I, I don't know about all of that. That's one of those things that might not be fully revealed, but we see that there is a figure that is entered in in Genesis and talks to humans and causes them to question God's reliability, God's truthfulness, God's word. And so as early as Genesis, we see that. And then based on what we just finished in Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we are to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil, the enemy. So yes, there is a spiritual battle that is going on and has been going on for millennials, millenniums, millennia, millennia. millennia. Yes. I don't know. I'm no grammar expert. Not I feel like I've heard someone smarter than me say that before. Yeah. So, um, but yes, it's been going on for quite some time. Yeah. And I, I do think that it's important that we say, yeah, this is real because I think we don't engage this topic for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's weird. Right. It's super weird. Like it's about stuff we can't see. Um, And then just not understanding it. And so we just are like, we want to ignore it, but we can't ignore it. Like we cannot ignore that there is a real enemy out there that is our adversary. And we have to talk about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, 1 Peter 5 tells us 
be sober-minded because your enemy is like a roaring lion waiting to devour you. And so if you just want to keep your head in the sand about this and not think about spiritual warfare or only be influenced by thoughts of spiritual warfare from the Hollywood sensationalized versions of what you may see, because it's it's in movies, it's in lots of entertainment, there are allusions to it. And if we use that to base our knowledge and understanding of it, it is going to be a very weak knowledge and understanding, and it's not going to be accurate. But scripture is very clear that we have an enemy. His name is the devil, the accuser, Satan, all of those words refer, refer to this being that is oppositional to us, to all humans, actually, but especially to those who are the children of God. Yes. Um, did you read Ephesians 6, 12? Are you just... I just kind of half quoted it. You want to Oh, yeah, read yeah. It? Yeah, I was just going to say again, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, or in the spiritual realms. Yes. Right? So one of the questions is, how do we fight this? How do we battle? How do we go to battle in spiritual warfare? And I think Ephesians 6 gives us a really good starting point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's talking about finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So in this section of Ephesians, um, we see what the armor of God is. Um so what does that look like for you, Stacey, as you think about being like under spiritual attack or like the enemy is coming for you, no matter what, the enemy wants to take all the goodness he can from God because he thinks he can, even though we can go to scriptures and we can say, well, you've already been defeated, buddy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? What does that look like for you? Like, what does it mean to you to put on the armor of God? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, and I think... There are a couple of things that I think about when I think about putting on the armor of God. First of all, it requires action on my part. So I cannot be passive in this process or in this battle. It is real, and it's more real than my physical body is real right now. Um, And so in the same way, if someone were physically trying to come in my home and overtake my home, I would do things to protect and defend myself and my family. And I think the reality for those of us, you know, who have family, which we all do, listen, and especially if you're married and you have kids, the enemy wants nothing more than to absolutely destroy your family. He's coming for your kids. He's coming for your marriage. And so one of the things that I do is pray, pray often over my children, over my marriage, over my family, and um, commit them back to the Lord. So I think a lot of this has to start in a prayer conversation with the Lord, where I'm specifically praying uh, against the schemes of the enemy. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, no weapon formed against you will prosper and no lying tongue will prevail. And so the weapon has been formed against me because I am in Christ. And so the enemy wants to torment me and he wants to torture and he wants to bring confusion and doubt and anxiety and fear and anger and all of those things. And so for me, one of the things I do is often and daily pray, Lord, no weapon formed against me will prosper and no lying tongue will prevail. And the enemy, we're told, his native language is lies. He is a liar. Everything he speaks is a lie. And so I think 
recognizing that the weapon has been formed and then covering it, uh, my life in prayer is one of the ways that I first start this process and putting on the armor of God. I love that. I remember when um, we were teaching on spiritual warfare and it's like you go through and we think, we tend to think of this armor as God as like, you know, yes, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and your feet fitted with readiness and the shield of faith and all of those things. Um, and one analogy that I used during that time was like, you know, my husband was in the military and he was part of the war readiness team. And so they would have these connexes, you know, which is basically like, it looks like a little shipping container thing. Yeah. I learned what that word was during that prep time. Yes. But basically, and I was like, and the, the, the key that unlocks all of those things is prayer. I so I that. felt like prayer is what really gets us, um, ready to put on those those things. And so prayer is such an important part of this. Yeah. I think that is so good to point out um, that it really does involve that. And then part of those weapons, like you mentioned, another one of those weapons is the sword of the spirit. And we know that's the word of God. And so if I do feel like I'm under spiritual attack, and a lot of times it happens in my mind and in my thoughts, um, and i catch myself ruminating on negative thoughts, thoughts of bitterness, jealousy, envy, strife, anger, all of those things. Uh, I try to capture that and begin thinking on the word of God and using the sword of the spirit, using the word of God to overcome some of those ruminating thoughts of negativity that swirl in my mind. Yeah. I love that because when you think about going to battle, like especially in when this took place, right? There were no guns. There were no automatic weapons. That's right. (laughs) So like for you to pull your weapon was to pull a sword. Yes. And and that's what we do because one of the questions we got asked is how does Jesus want us to respond to this spiritual warfare? And girl, that is to pull your weapon and fight. Yes. Right. And again, when we think back to what it says in Ephesians, put on its action. We are called to action. And so when we think about how does Jesus want us to respond when we encounter this, he does. He is asking us to fight against it. And we can do that through prayer and through his word, through asking him to increase our faith, the shield of faith. I've always thought about it this way. Um, When it talks about that being part of the armor, your shield protects you from arrows that are coming at you. And so this was a revolutionary thought that hit me a few years ago, and I'm sure somebody taught it to me, and I just don't remember who it was. Not every thought that comes into my mind is mine, is initiated by me. Mm. But the enemy is shooting fiery darts at me and trying to put thoughts in my head. And so when I hold up my shield of faith, it will prevent those fiery darts from infiltrating my mind. And um, I can increase my faith by asking God to increase my faith. So if I'm feeling particularly weak, then I'm just like, God, I need you to increase my faith today. Yeah. And I think another great picture is to look at Jesus yes. in the wilderness when he's under great attack, right? And um, like you're saying too, this this armor that we're putting on, Jesus, every time you know Satan speaks to him, he says, Jesus responds as it is written. And so we've been given the authority because uh, scripture is authoritative. And so one of the things, like you're saying, your thoughts, I think we see in Genesis, immediately it's the thoughts in her mind, right? In, mm-hmm. in Eve, as in Eve's mind, it's just about 
you know, did he really say that? And it's like all the doubt. And then you start thinking and you start entertaining these thoughts. And it's just like you kind of go on a spiral. And so being able to pull up your shield of faith or yield your sword, sword? It came out weird. Sword, sword? Your sword? Uh, it does have a W, but yeah. Yes. Your sword is to be able to recall the scripture. And so that is another way that is really, really important in the armor is knowing your word. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to know every story and every verse from Genesis to Revelation, but can you recall the promises of God? That's a great place to start if you don't know where to start with what scriptures to start memorizing. Oh yeah, absolutely. A few years ago, I was teaching about this and preparing for like the year to come and talked about how it was really kind of a prophetic moment, but where the Lord in that moment while I was teaching said, hey, listen, memorize five promises of God. You need to have five promises of God out of his word ready. That was the end of 2019 when I was giving that teaching at our church. And in all of the times that I've ever taught at our church, I've never had our lead pastor walk on stage while I was teaching, and he did, and I freaked out in my mind. But what he was doing was coming on stage to emphasize what I had said because God gave him a prophetic utterance in that moment, which again, I believe this is all spiritual warfare, kind of spiritual realm stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, God gave him a prophetic utterance and he said, something is coming in 2020 and we are all going to need to hold on to five promises of God. They need to be at the ready. And that happened in December of 2019. And as we all know now, by March of 2020, our entire world changed. And so looking back on that, I'm like, man, so I do agree because some of you are listening and you're like, well, I don't know scripture. I don't, I don't memorize scripture. But you memorize song lyrics and you can memorize movie quotes. And so with that same mind, ask God, God, give me five promises in your word that I can hold on to. And then you don't have to worry once you say them and write them and kind of think about them over and over again. Scripture also tells us that the Holy Spirit will bring them back to remembrance when we need them. That is a promise out of God's word. And so just be encouraged in that, that what Jesus did when he encountered the devil during that time, like you said, he kept saying, it is written. And another important part about that is when we see Jesus interacting with the devil during that time of temptation, Jesus did not get into an argument with him. Jesus did not try to defend and explain. He used the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And you know what happened after three times of what we have recorded? I'm sure it was much more. Mm -hmm. I really do. I believe that time of temptation in the wilderness for the Lord um, was a lot more than what we have recorded. Well, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I doubt, I mean, the devil could have done that in the first 10 minutes, those yeah. three things. So, yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> and uh, and Luke 4 is one of the places that it's recorded. And in Luke 4.13, this is another real aha moment for me. It said, and the devil left him for a more opportune time. And so one of the other things we need to remember, the devil is an opportunist. <laughs> he looks for opportunity to attack us. And so we need to be aware of our weaknesses, just like when you go to battle. So what does that mean for you, Suzanne, when you think about that in your own personal life and think about the fact that the devil is an opportunist and we need to think about that and how we respond? 
Yeah, and that kind of goes into one of the questions that we were asked. You know, we were asked, what are safeguards that we can establish and ways that we can be prepared for this? And so thinking of our enemy as an opportunist and then thinking about what are the places that you already struggle, you know, like for, so for me, for instance, it is a lot of nobody cares about what you have to say. Somebody's already said this, which is true. We've all said there's nothing new in the Bible. We're all just saying the same things, but yes, um, that, you know, God has not chosen you to do this. So just be quiet, just stop. And so that is a place that I know when opportunities come for me to speak or, you know, to share, then I'm going to immediately start having those thoughts of doubt. So I recognize that that is an opportune time for the enemy to come and to try to attack me. And so one thing that you can do that's a really practical thing is go ahead and think about what are those places that I'm already, that I already have a propensity to kind of go to even without the enemy, mm-hmm. right? So somebody may have spoken um, a truth, I mean, a lie over you at some point in your life, and that's become a, one of those place of weaknesses for you. Um, so if it is you're not chosen and you need to shut your mouth, then you say, no, I am a royal priesthood. I mean, that's in Peter, mm-hmm. First Peter. Yep. Um, I don't always know the exact verse, but I can, I can memorize the verse, okay? <laughs> um, so have those ready. It's kind of like a battle plan, right? So when our military goes out to battle, it's not like they just show up with no plan, right? They've studied their enemy. Mm -hmm. They know, okay, there's an opportunist. He's a liar. Scripture tells us he's the father of lies. When he speaks, he speaks lies. That is his native tongue. Um, He's a murderer. He's out, like you already said, in 1 Peter 5, 8, I think Mm -hmm. it's, you know, he's roaring around looking for someone to devour. Yep. Um, So thinking about those times where you're weak. So that's a thought. Um, Think about maybe an opportune time, like one for me is when I'm tired. Oh, yes. You know, if I'm really tired and really exhausted, that's kind of an opportune time. So have a plan. When I'm starting to feel that and feel overwhelmed, then go to God. Mm-hmm. Even we see Jesus do that in the wilderness, right? At the very end, it says the angels, I believe, came yeah. and tended to him. It, it literally says, I think it's in Matthew's gospel, where the devil departed and the angels attended to him. And when I read that verse, I was like, man, the devil departed and the angels attended. And may that be true of my life, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, right. God's not just going to leave us there. Right. And if Jesus needed tending to... Yeah. Don't you think that we probably need yes. intending to? So allowing yourself to go in that place. So it's kind of like creating a battle plan. That's yes. what I think of of establishing safeguards. Think about those places where you're already weak, where he is going to take advantage mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because um, I think for different ones of us, it's different things. And, and the idea about being so tired... Um, this is just a plug for Sabbath again, because Mm. when we work, 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 and we don't honor the Sabbath, like the Lord has commanded us to do, it is not optional. We are commanded to honor the Sabbath. I think when you have a regular rhythm of Sabbath in your life, it helps stay off that exhaustion. I'm not saying you're still not going to be tired, but if you know that is a feeling that you are just overwhelmed right now, Go back to, okay, am I Sabbathing once a week? And what does that look like? And how can I work through that? So Yeah, that can be part of your battle plan. Absolutely. I mean, it should be part of your battle plan to yeah. put to Sabbath. 
Corey Ten Boom has a great quote that I love, and it says, if the devil can't make me bad, he'll make me busy. Oof. And um, so, you know, maybe being really busy and not being alert in a sober mind is kind of that opportune place for him to come in for you. You just live in a state of constant overwhelm. Yeah. And and listen, I've had seasons of that in my life where we literally have every second of the day planned out. And then I'm like, I, I, I can't, I can't do anything else. I don't have time to sit and read God's word. I don't have time to sit and pray all day long. I think it was Martin Luther who said, someone said, how often do you pray? And he said, I usually pray um, five or six hours a day or something like that, except on days when I'm really busy. And then I pray a lot more. <laughs> and I thought that's one of the things that we can do on the, on the busyness. But I mean, I, I've also heard busy is being under Satan's yoke, B-U-S-Y, is being under Satan's yoke. because, And even, this is a real caveat, I think, some of us are busy with church work. And so we're so busy, you know, helping at church and serving at church, which we are called to do. But the devil, the antichrist, the one who masquerades as Christ but is not and is going to manipulate, he's going to tell you, oh, you've got to volunteer for everything at church. You better be there every time. You better do all this stuff. And he's going to wear you out to the point of exhaustion because the last thing the enemy wants is you to sit alone with the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to you through his word. He does, the enemy does not want you in the word of God. He does not want you praying and he's going to do anything he can. And he's going to masquerade it and make it look like, yeah, but I have to serve at church tonight and I have to make this for the thing for church. And I have to go do this for church. And it's like, if you're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, take a break and serve a little bit and spend a lot of time in God's Word. Yeah, the, and when you were talking, I was reminded, we were talking about this verse before, about how, um, you can tell us where it is, because of course I don't know, but um, it talks about how Satan masquerades as a um, as the light. What does it yeah, say? Yeah, it's 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Yeah, and so he's not going to be like... <laughs> Okay, again, I'm just recalling things that God taught me when I was preparing this message. But I was talking about just an analogy, which we know they all break down. But on 9-11, the terrorists who came to get on a plane, right, they didn't wear T-shirts that announced themselves as terrorists saying, I'm going to crash this plane into the World Trade Center um, so that we wouldn't let them on the plane, Right? No, they came dressed like everybody else. You know, you know, they had luggage. They had whatever it was. Where Satan's not going to announce himself. Oh like, no! Hey, it's me, Satan. Let me in. No, it's going to come in these little subtle things again. While we keep going back to that verse, be alert and of sober mind. Yes. And the way you do that is by staying in the Word of God, by continuously being in prayer, because otherwise our minds get numb to the things of the world. I mean, I have been there so many times where I am just like, I can't anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just going to turn on Netflix, pour a glass of wine, and just veg out and do nothing. And that's an opportune time for the enemy to come in and to attack and to devour. And so being alert and staying awake and waking up, sleeper wake 
up. Mm-hmm. And I think some of us are just asleep to the tactics of the enemy. And like you were saying, he does come in as the counterfeit. So mm-hmm. instead of coming in and being like, you know, little red horns and a mm-hmm. pitchfork and everything, no, because we would easily uh, identify that. I heard um, Matt Chandler one time talk about it and he was like, you know, like if you leave church today and someone's trying to sell you crack cocaine in the parking lot, you're probably going to be like, yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. But if someone's like, hey, you know, it's okay if you cheat on your taxes a little bit. I mean, come on, the government, they don't deserve yeah. all that money. You know, it's it's subtle little ways that are going to tempt us away. And so he is the antichrist. He is the counterfeit. And so he wants to look a lot like God. As a matter of fact, when the devil was talking to Jesus in the 40 days during the temptation, during that period of time when the devil was trying to tempt Jesus, the devil used scripture but he manipulates it. He takes it out of context. That's why it's so important to know the context of God's word and to be familiar with it. Because in the same way, like when, um, we've talked about this before, when when our treasury department is trying to identify counterfeit money, they study the real thing. They only look at real money so that they will be able to identify every counterfeit because they know the real thing so well. And so, our warning and encouragement to you is do not spend so much time studying the devil. Like spend more time studying God's word, the real thing, the real truth, because the devil is going to come at you differently than he comes at me because he knows you really well. He knows human behavior and there's nothing new under the sun, we're told. And so he knows our propensities. He knows our weaknesses and he watches us And so what we can do to counteract that and to be battle ready is to know the word of God and spend time so that we can recognize those lies, those temptations, those counterfeits, all of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think what we said is, yes, we know who the devil is, right? We know who he is. There's nothing new. You know, most of the time, like when we even think about Jesus in the theater, he's going to cause doubt. He wants you to not trust God. He doesn't want you to experience the goodness of God. And one of the big things, and I think this is probably true for a lot of us, you can, maybe not you, but I'm, I think it's everyone, including you, um, is that it's fear. Oh, absolutely. So, he is going to use fear so much, but the count, like the other side of that is trying to get you to be your own God. Oh, yeah. Because out of fear, right? So like... Eve. We think about Eve. What what was he offering her? That you could be like God. That's right. We all want to be our own gods because we think that we can control everything. And he wants us to live in that lie. And so fear paralyzes us. Mm-hmm. Fear paralyzes us. I don't know if you've ever been paralyzed by fear, but I have. Oh, yes. I mean, even today, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like recording this episode, I'm thinking, why'd we do this? This is not a good episode. We should not do this episode because I was afraid of coming on and having a conversation with you because what if I say something wrong? And so what did we do right before we... We prayed. But also, you guys just know this. We are going to say something wrong one yeah. day. We are. It's not our heart's desire, but it will happen because we're human. Because we're human. But just like you told me a long time ago, God's grace will abound. The motive of our hearts is not to misguide or mislead anyone. That's why we started with the disclaimer like, hey, 
we are not scholarly experts in spiritual warfare. And even those people might have got something wrong because, like you said, this is a mystery. This is, you know, there are secret things that we don't know. But the motive of our heart is for you guys to know that spiritual warfare is a real thing, that you have a real enemy that wants to keep you from the goodness of God and experiencing his goodness and his love and his grace and his mercy. And he is going to lie to you. He's going to make you be scared. He's going to try to paralyze you in that fear. He's going to do all of these little things to try to keep you from that. Um, And so I think knowing that and recognizing it and then knowing like the way to beat it is to read the word and to pray and to be in community with people who are doing the same thing and who will stand in the gap when you can't. And I mean, I think that's the basics, right? We don't need to know all the details of how it all works. Right. And I think sometimes we get led astray in that. Like we want to know all the intricacies and all the answers and we need to have all the answers. And sometimes God's like, girl, get your sword, get your sword out and fight. You don't need to know all the answers, but you do need your sword. You need my word. And then I go back to thinking about what Jesus says in John 10, 10. Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and life abundantly. And that's most often the only part we hear in that verse. You know what the rest of that verse says? It says, but the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that means he is coming after you. He wants to destroy any part of flourishing you have. He does not want you to flourish. In Genesis, God gave a mandate for mankind, for man and woman to go forth, be fruitful and multiply. And that doesn't just mean get married and have kids. That means flourish because he put them in a garden where flourishing was occurring. God's good plan for us is to flourish and have abundance. But the enemy wants to destroy that. He wants to kill that and he wants us to struggle. And so he's not going to come at us like we said in this this obvious way. Sometimes he lures us away with comfort. Mm. Sometimes he preach Sometimes he just paralyzes us with fear. And so we just want to encourage you today, have a battle plan and be ready to fight against the schemes of the enemy because he is an opportunist and he's waiting on an opportune time to take advantage of you. And also I don't want, um, which kind of will lead us into um, another question that we got asked, but you mentioned something as you were talking about that and You know, a lot of this stuff, at least for me, well, I'm like, well, this is really scary. We do not need to live in fear of our spirit of spiritual warfare. We have been given the we have been given the tools to fight it. Um, His word tells us in all kind of different places. Um, I think it's in Mark, Luke, John, First John. There's there's some really good ones. I'll I'll look up the exact verses. But we've been given the authority to trample on the heads of snakes. We have been given the authority Mm -hmm. through the word of God. And the sacrifice of Christ that the battle's already won. That's why you'll hear preachers say, um, we fight from victory, not for victory. Now, sure, there are little things here and there where we're like, okay, well, this one, I didn't succeed in this one. But the overall battle for us has been won. So so we don't have to live in fear of this. The other question that we were asked, which kind of goes along with this, I think, in a mindset kind of way, is how do we discern... 
you know, what spiritual warfare and is not. So not assuming that everything bad is happening is spiritual warfare, because I think the other side of this is you can be obsessed with spiritual warfare. And the truth is we live in a world where bad things happen. Oh, yeah. Because of the fall, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I show up 20 minutes late to a meeting. I'm like, the devil did that to me. That was spiritual warfare. It wasn't the devil, y'all. I was, I'm just late. I'm just right. late to meetings. I used to hate that, too. That used to be something that I really turned me off. And I understand it more now. I had no no clue then. But it'd be like, oh, that's just the devil making him act that way. And I was like, that's bullcrap. He's acting that way because he is a jerk. And he is selfish and narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> and And all of those things can be true. Yes. But so what would you say to someone who says, how do I discern whether this is spiritual warfare or a spiritual attack or just something bad? Yeah. Well, I think there are a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves. I think we can ask, you know, um, is there something that I did that resulted? Is there a choice that I made that resulted in this negative situation going on? And sometimes, like I think back to interactions with my children, and there's a lot of disunity and a lot of discourse, and maybe, you know, we're fighting with each other. And then I have to ask myself, have I made choices to result in this dissension, this argument uh, around us. Um, And sometimes the answer was, yes, I was exacerbating my kids, which scripture tells us not to do that. Um, Sometimes I was just doing things that were not beneficial for the relationship. And so that's probably not spiritual warfare. And the reason you ask yourself that question is because if you can, and you need to put it before the Lord, like, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any grievous way in me. Have I done anything to result in this negative situation? Because if there is something that we've done, then we can change our behavior and it may rectify the problem in front of us. Now, there are other times when you ask yourself that question and you're like, no, I've been I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been reading God's word, and there's still this spirit of disunity in my home. I'm just using that mm-hmm. as an example. And so at that point, then I'm like, okay, well, Lord, I I don't see that I'm doing anything that's leading to this. So then what I do is I walk through my house and I'll say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over a spirit of disunity and I take authority over it in the name of Jesus, and I command it to flee in Jesus' name. And then I start playing some praise and worship music. So I think asking ourselves some of those questions would be really helpful. And then another one, you know, Ephesians 4.27, it's talking about put away all falsehood. Don't um, let the sun go down on your anger. And then just kind of that little sentence in 4.27 says, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Remember, he's an opportunist. And so the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, don't give him an opportunity. So ask yourself, are there places in my life where I have opened up opportunity and foothold for the devil to take hold of something in my life? And we kind of talked about this. You had a really good insight on that about like, what what is the what are some of those places where we give the devil opportunities? Yeah, so we were talking about like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Um, are you getting tarot cards read over you? Are you, and I know some of those, that might've just stepped on some people's feet listening, but you know what? If, if, if an enemy was coming for your friend or your family member, would you, and you have the power to do something or speak truth, would you not speak it? So shame on me if I don't call out crystals and tarot cards and Ouija boards and psychic readings and all those things, because you think that those are jokes. You are opening a door to the spiritual realm. 
Oh yeah. Period. I mean, we have a clear scripture of that. The King King Saul in the Old Testament, he went to this woman who kind of conjured up spirits, you know, mm-hmm. and he asked her to conjure up the spirit of a prophet and a spirit got conjured up, freaked the woman out because clearly she'd been lying and probably had never done that before. Right. But when we do that, there is a real unseen realm. And we're not even getting into all of that stuff today. Um, we'll give you some resources on it, but there is a real unseen realm of spiritual forces and you can open up a door. So definitely that, but even if it's not that, even if it's right. not tarot cards, what's a more common way that maybe a woman who really is plugged into church and knows the difference, what are some common ways that we can find ourselves being open for opportune times? So, so my husband and I for years, um, we loved, we kind of joke about it. We're old. We're like, it's nine o'clock on Friday night. We got to get home for Dateline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's but, old for, wait, I have to just say, Suzanne, <laughs> I love you, but come on, that's old for so many reasons. Everything's streaming now too. Who goes home for a certain TV show? Well, I know that's, time? that's when we first started. Now we can watch Dateline on a Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but so we oftentimes find ourselves watching Dateline and, um, I love a good true crime podcast, but honestly, I've already kind of let, I don't listen to those, but I've noticed in the last few months, um, and, and I had already said, no, I can't watch anyone about young girls getting abducted at night, right? Because I have a daughter who's that age. Yeah. But I've noticed lately, like, it's more like I'm having more worry about like these kinds of things and worried about like going outside at night by myself or going, and I'm like, you know. I have opened a door for the enemy to allow me to sit in fear for things that'll probably never happen because I'm sitting around watching stories about this happen, right? So that's just like a simple, simple way. But I'm going to be really vulnerable and I'm going to share something else that I was recently convicted. I was convicted of it actually when we were in Florida to teach Ah. Um, because we got talking about playlists. So when I get ready to teach, I always, and I'm pretty sure you do too, but um, I always have my playlist. I even have like a hype playlist. It's like Jesus music. And then there's a couple that aren't, but it's just like, you know. Will you share your hype playlist with us or is that too vulnerable? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Is that too vulnerable? I don't know, but I'll tell you one Maybe in the Facebook group. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. Come on over and we'll see. Um, One playlist I will not share with you. And we talked, I just said, oh my gosh, I would be so embarrassed if you heard my workout playlist. Oh yeah. And ever since I made that comment, when I would come home and I was working out, I was like, I cannot believe that I have a 16 year old boy inside and I'm out here listening because if my son ever spoke about a woman, the way these singers are speaking about women, I, I might kick him Yeah, like hard. In, a, in his nether regions, because I would want it to <laughs> be really Drew. painful. But obviously, I felt really, I was like, I cannot, like, what is wrong with me? Like, I want to not listen to this. And so I and don't listen to that anymore. And that's just been in the last, like, couple weeks, even, because the conviction, I felt convicted, but I did not act on it. Mm. And because God is so gracious, he continued to convict me. And just like, yeah, this isn't what I want to bring into my mind, bring into my heart. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, where are those places where maybe you're not doing what God has best for you? And that might not be spiritual warfare, but you're opening a door for the enemy to come in. And I could allow myself to condemn myself because what a terrible person I am. I have no right to be on this podcast because yesterday I was listening to Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby, Wobble Baby, you know, or something. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
or something like that. But I'm just saying yeah. there are little places and it, that in and of itself is not wrong. Right. But what am I opening myself up to? Right. So and I know because, that was a lot for the question you asked me, but I just thought of that one. No, I th- I appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty in that because I think that is the truth. I think we don't recognize the places where we do open up a door. Again, you're not saying the enemy made you create a playlist right. with inappropriate music. You're saying that he's an opportunist and he's like, oh, listen to her playlist. Let me put, let me incept some ideas and thoughts into her head. And we don't even realize it. Like, I remember when I was trying to be a cool mom, like eight years ago, I've given up the hopes. I'm not a cool mom, y'all. I'm never, probably never going to be a cool That's mom. That's so not true. That's I'm, a lie that you're believing. You are a cool mom. Oh, okay. I'm I mean, the kids that. come hang out over here. My kid wants to hang out here over over here all the time. Okay, and I'm, it's not just because you're cool pantry. I'm okay. just saying. Well, I was going to say, if you feed them, they'll come. And I do have <laughs> lots of food. Y'all, you can't have Saver Ministries without having lots of food. Um, but I remember when I was really trying to like, connect with my daughter and she was uh, a freshman in high school I was like yeah you make all the music you do all the playlists y'all there was this one song it was like I'm young dumb and broke and I kept singing it over and over and over and my I would find myself throughout the day being like I'm young dumb and broke and then I'm like I am none of those things I am none of those things but it was over and over in my head and again I don't I mean, it's probably, you know, maybe for some people it wouldn't bother them, but for me, it made me realize, hey, what you listen to, what you see, what you watch, it does affect you and it does open up opportunity for the enemy to come in. Because again, I cannot say this enough, you guys, he is an opportunist. He is waiting for you to be defeated. If you don't think he'll kick you when you're down, he absolutely will come for you. I have a friend right now and I don't know how much of it is spiritual warfare or just like unbelievable. She is dealing with two of her children have serious medical issues. I mean, serious, serious medical issues. She just lost a a sibling, like very unexpectedly. And I just look at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, protect her, give her a break from this. And again, I'm not saying the enemy's doing all of that in her life, but boy, she is someone who definitely needs to be wrapped in the word of God right now. She needs to be covered in prayer. And that's where as sisters in Christ, we come along and walk alongside of her in that because it's an opportune time for the enemy to attack her right now. Yeah, that's, and so I think to kind of wrap back to what the original question was too, is like, how do we determine if this is spiritual warfare or not? And the, the discussion, I'm not going to say it's your answer uh, because I don't know, but this I, I remember I had this same exact question years ago when we really started talking more about spiritual warfare. And my conclusion was that I came to this. It doesn't matter because I'm going to attack it the same way. I'm going to um, align myself with scripture. I'm going to store up God's promises in my heart. I'm going to be in the word. I'm going to be in prayer. I'm going to surround myself with people who will help me walk through this journey um, and things like that. So the Mm -hmm. way that I would approach it, whether it's a tech quote, spiritual attack, or just a consequence of living in a fallen world, I'm still going to do the same things. That's right. But it is it is beneficial to ask the question. Oh, I totally for sure. agree with what you say and I and that's kind of where I stand too. But I go back to it's beneficial to ask the question because it could be that you have done something to open up the right. door or if you have some 
willful, unrepentant sin in your life. I mean, some of us do. And if that's you, girl, confess that stuff to Jesus right now. Let him take it and then get rid of the shame and condemnation. And then when it comes back on you, this is another thing that happens, I think. And this is how we can tell that sometimes there are spiritual attacks Mm -hmm. is when you keep hearing things whispered in your ear, like, no one really cares what you said, mm-hmm. or you're not worthy to speak God's truth because you did X, Y, Z. If you if that's coming to you and you've already asked for forgiveness over X, Y, Z, you just say, I mean, sometimes I say out loud, hey, Satan, get behind me, not today, devil, because I am forgiven and redeemed and reconciled to Christ Jesus, and I have been forgiven for that. So you can just drop that off. <laughs> yeah, and I 100% agree with what you said. Do an evaluation of what's going on in your life, but don't, I guess my point in saying that too is don't obsess. Yes. About trying to figure out is this spiritual warfare or is this just a consequence because I live in a fallen world? Yes. Get get to battle, get to work, get to right. fighting, um, and ask people into that into that with you. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna try to do. I know we're going over today, but it's okay because you guys ask these questions. So if you're ready to jump off, jump off. I right. mean, I'm sure people do that anyway, right? I do that. I come back. So I do want to get to this one last question because I do, I really like it. And it kind of speaks basically to what we were just talking about though. So the question was, how do we approach a culture that glorifies and or minimizes evil? So I think we kind of talked about the minimizing for sure, um, that this is real. We need to engage it and we need to do, you know, do the work. Um, but how do we approach a culture that glorifies evil? And I when we were talking about music, not to keep going back to music, but there is a song out right now. And it was only brought to my attention because it was not on my playlist because my playlist technically started probably 10 years ago. But um, I think it's by somebody was showing me the video and I think it is Doja Cat. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's a video and it's like a very, it was at one point, I don't know if it is or still is or somewhere. It was like in the top. It was like number one song or something. But it says she's a devil. Mm-hmm. And it's and the video was Yeah. I've I mean, heard it, about it. Yes. Completely glorifying this idea of the devil and like and so how do we as believers, as people who want to stand against the schemes of the enemy, how do we approach this culture? Yeah. That's such a good question. And I think overall, like you were saying, this question that someone's asking is so pertinent to our culture now because we fall in one of two categories. We either want to kind of just ignore it and the devil wants you to think he's not real. He'd rather you just ignore him because he will take over and he will destroy and kill and torment um, or it gets glorified. And I think we have to approach it with humility and I think we have to approach approach it with a lot of prayer. I think we need to be praying for these artists instead of coming in with condemnation and judgmental thoughts against like this specific um, song artist, I think we need to pray and pray for a softening of their heart. Uh, I go back to Chronicles, you know, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and will repent and humble themselves, I will heal their land. Mm. And I think our land needs healing right now. And so I think we need to take responsibility and we need to ask for forgiveness if there's anything that we've done to contribute to this culture. And we need to prayerfully ask God to soften the hearts of those who are glorifying and mocking and making fun of. I mean, it, it is shocking to me how sometimes people 
make fun of, make light of, or glorify the devil. I've had someone say to me, like jokingly, that my husband was the devil incarnate. Didn't go over very well. I thought I was going to lose my mind when this person said it to me. And he said it as a joke. It is no joke to me. You would never. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you don't joke about someone else being the devil incarnate because you understand the reality of that. I think this person who said it, I don't think he's a believer. I don't think he knows Christ personally. Um, So he didn't realize how offensive it was to me. But what I realized is that's a culture that we live in, that they just glorify it and think, it's funny. They make fun of it. I mean, we see it in Hollywood movies too, where the devil's on one shoulder and the angel's on the other shoulder. And it's like, that's the other thing that I I do. I know we're running long, but I do want to just kind of also reiterate if this is a new concept to you. It is not equal forces. When we're doing spiritual battle, victory, you said this earlier, we fight from victory, not for victory. The enemy has limited power that God has allowed the enemy to have. Get it complicated. We could do a whole nother episode about that. But it's not like there's a war between good and evil, like it's a yin and yang, and sometimes evil prevails and sometimes good. No. When God brings an end to this war, it's done. And it will be with a final word from the Lord. He has full authority. And he, we see that Jesus went down to hell and took back the keys. And he overcame the final enemy, which is death, that scripture talks about. And so just keep that in mind, too, that this, this idea of a spiritual battle, we God has already won the victory for us. And so a lot of times we think about this idea of, um, you know, like the powers going back and forth. And that's just not, I mean. Well, and the enemy knows. Yes. The enemy knows he's already been defeated. He knows his time is limited yes. to how much damage he wants to do. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And so I do think that we live in a world that, minimalizes or glorifies. And I think the truth is we have to approach it with a lot of prayer um, and just relying on God's word over and being willing to have humility towards those who, because it's easy for us to just judge. And, and I think ask God for divine compassion for those people who do talk that way. I mean, I'll be honest in that moment when that person told me that about my husband, nope, there was no divine compassion. Mm -hmm. I literally wanted to rip his eyeballs out. I mean, Chris had to like hold me back because I was ready to. Chris is like, I think that's my wife you're talking about. And I'm not sure how long I'm going to be able to hold her here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But since then, the Lord has been working on me and he is increasing my divine compassion. And I have gotten to a point where once or twice I've prayed for this person to have a heart softened to the things of the Lord. And I think that's a really good point, like approaching with compassion and humility, because people, like you said, don't understand. I mean, that's kind of a cultural thing that we say, like to say someone's kind of a jerk, right? Yeah. Or whatever. And so we don't, people don't understand the gravity of what they're saying. Um, And so that's such a good point to think about, you know, like, what does this mean to that person? Because it may not mean what it means to you. Yeah. And so, but I do think it's important to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Amen. Ephesians again, y'all go back to it. Right. We talked about that. And so take that opportunity, if you can, to speak truth in life in that moment. And that person may not care, but that doesn't matter to you. 
That's right. Take, make the most of the opportunity. So when you are, when evil comes to you or something that represents evil, but may not represent evil culturally, speak truth to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when the light shows up, darkness must flee. And um, I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah, we could go. We could do this for days. In fact, there are several questions we did not get to like we knew we wouldn't, such as how do we talk to our kids about spiritual warfare, which I love this question. I think it's a great question. Um, Several other ones, but we will um, we will discuss those over in our Facebook community. So it's called the Saver Community. We'll put a link in the show notes if you want to join um, so we can answer some of those. And just remember, this is a long, this is a lifelong thing, right? This is not like a one and done. This is a process. This is our faith. This is us working our faith out just with God, you know, to fight the enemy's schemes. So what's our saver moment? Well, I think that you should probably help us with our saver moment because y'all, Suzanne has actually made this recipe, and I think it would be an amazing recipe as we head into the holiday season. I mean, I just think it, it would be awesome, and I'm going to try and make it. So it, it is, and I was sharing with Stacey that I made this years ago, years ago. My husband is not like a really big sweet person, but there are two desserts that he likes, and it's cheesecake and red velvet cake. So one year I had the great idea that I would make red, like red velvet cheesecake, but when I started looking it up... It's actually a cheesecake on top of a red velvet cake or like it's smushed in between like actual red velvet cake. Mm-hmm. And it was so delicious. It was a labor of love um, because it takes a long time simply because of the process for making cheesecake. It's all from scratch. I'm sure you can look up one that's not and it will be just as good or you can tweak the recipe how you want. But we will share a recipe for that. But the point is, is as you're doing this to just know that this is a process. This is work. This is doing the work. This is a battle. And this is a lifelong thing for us. So it's going to feel like it's taking your lifetime to make this cake when you go to make it. Um, (laughs) How many hours did it say, Suzanne? um, I think about 20 hours. I don't think the steps and all that I'm trying to remember because, but... It's because, you know, you're making cheesecake. It has to sit in the kitchen and it has to stand there for a little while, Mm -hmm. right? And so like we are called to stand firm in our faith against the schemes of the enemy, we are going to make this cake and it is going to taste amazing. And you will for sure taste the goodness of God when you taste this cake, just like when you overcome the enemy by using the authoritative scripture and the sword of the spirit and all the things that God has given us to defeat our enemy. So we thank you guys. We love when you send us questions um, because they're all questions that we've asked and we love discussing them with you. If you have some burning questions from this podcast, I go follow us on Instagram because I did discover um, a way that you can ask questions anonymously. Oh, I and, love that. Yeah, I do too, because sometimes we don't feel like we, like uh, Suzanne or Stacy or whoever I ask is going to think I'm so dumb because I asked this question. Number one, that's a lie. So just try to practice your armor of God with that lie. But we did create, there's an app because you're not the only one. And so you can come and ask us any questions. I will try to post that on Wednesdays or Thursdays right after a podcast comes out. So if you have questions anytime, and you don't want to ask them in the Facebook group, come over there, put it in. We love answering your questions, and we're so grateful that you guys are here with us, and um, we'll just keep going and going. And going and going. (laughs) We love you guys. Thank you for listening today, and we will see you next week. 
Thank you for being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR Women's Ministry or Crosstown Church, please visit crosstownchurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.